through this board. We do talk about that tonight. Just talk about how it's slightly uh, constrained for today for various reasons, which we won't get into. But yeah. uh, what a great European weekend it was. Mm -hmm. And you just move it on from these various little hiccups along. Yeah. One, two, 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 two. What's going on here? Anyway? Can you talk to me there? Yeah, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two. I can't hear you though, Dave. Do it again. Talk to me. Yeah, I can hear you there. One, two, two, two. Right, yeah. one. Hello and welcome to the Football Podcast with me, Kevin Kilban. Um, I'm delighted to be joined again in studio with uh, Dave McIntyre. We've not been on for the last couple of weeks, Dave. It's been difficult for you and I to be in the same country at the same time, hasn't it? So that's been the difficulty we've had over the last couple of weeks. So if you've missed it, which uh, I'm not so sure many would have actually missed it, but um, anyway, we're back to, we're back this week and we're looking forward to another pass. We've got lots to get through this week. Dave and I were uh, at the Real Madrid-Atletico Madrid game at the Bernabeu this week. What an experience that was for the pair of us. Of course, the, the second big Champions League game of the week, Monaco-Juventus, we'll get into that. And we've got this weekend's Premier League fixtures. So I don't think there's any better place to start, Dave, than, than that game at the Bernabeu on Tuesday evening. What an experience for both of us yeah. being at that game and, and witnessing another magical night for Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, the waning talent of Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, the waning. Yeah, he's on he, the wane, isn't he? Been on the wane for a while now, hasn't he? He's struggling to uh, to find his game at the moment. I think he only had four or five shots in goal. He, he walks away with a hat-trick. His movement is as good as it ever was. Even one or two signs when he found himself in a wide position that he can still throw the odd step over, a bit of trickery and beat a defender. He was just brilliant to watch. I, I, I was actually impressed with that, Dave. I haven't seen that in him in a while. Where it, it, you know, you're, not, you're not watching him up close like that, of course, or not, but that ability that he still got in wide areas. And it was, it, was, it was frequent. It was only two or three occasions, but it was his ability to run at defenders and still seeing that pace that he's got, that, that real raw pace that many thought had, um, had maybe left him. Uh, and he, he isn't as dynamic as he was. I think I, I think we all accept that he isn't as as um, as powerful as probably he was four or five years ago. He doesn't still have yeah, that well, ability. Yeah, he won't to be at the defenders. age of thirty-two the same player as he was. No. when he's twenty-two. But he, I would imagine, he's the kind of guy who thinks enough about the game to be able to reinvent himself if and when that's necessary. Yeah. And when he was a very young, he was just really a wide player. Like when he started at Sporting and Manchester United, he mm. was just a winger, an out-and-out -out winger. And then as he became more confident and his um, array of weaponry started to become stronger, he, fa he found him playing more and more centrally. And he's as good a centre-forward as there ever has been. Yeah, totally. And the one thing, I think maybe the standout factor, I was on the plane when, when I was flying back uh, to Dublin on the Wednesday, and you're thinking, there's very few occasions you're going to get asked to be to, or to go and commentate on a Champions League semi-final, let alone see a Cristiano Ronaldo hat-trick. So it's something you can look back on in 10, 15 years' time and, and see that, that and, and, and think back at that, should I say. But what about the experience in itself going to the to the Bernabeu, though, Dave? You've been before. It's my first, first time actually going there. But witnessing the Madrid derby, Champions League semi-final, what was that like for you uh, as a whole, really? It was just phenomenal. I think it was my fourth trip to the Bernabeu, maybe my third, and the atmosphere is incredible. Of course, the atmosphere is just incredible. It, it's up there with anything you'll <clears throat> you'll see. There's no real culture of the ultra in English football. There might have been something similar back in the seventies and eighties with the the firm and all that kind of thing that went down with the the off the pitch stuff. But there is about uh, there's a section at the Bernabeu of about three or four thousand fans, all in white, that are in the upper tier and they don't stop for the entire game. Yeah. So even in a dull game. 
the atmosphere never really wanes. Yeah. You're thrown to that, the fact that every supporter there was finding their voice and 6,000 Atletico fans were there yeah. as well. Although they didn't have an awful lot to shout about pretty much for the entire game. That it just, it comp, it, all thrown into the mix, it just made mm. for an absolutely incredible occasion. Like, it's just a wonderful stadium. 81,000, it was full. It's very steep, far steeper than it looks Amazing. on the TV. So that all the fans are almost in on top of each other. The sun was just baking us in the commentary box before it dipped down in We were thinking of wearing shades for the game day, but just till the sun went in behind yeah. that stand opposite us, we had, to, we had to change that idea. And it's just right in the middle of the city. It's just class. The, the one thing I, I mean to say, well, I'll move on to the, to the uh, Monaco-Juve game in a second. The amount of fans, Dave, that, that I saw, I don't know if you picked up on it yourself, I never really spoke about it the other night, was where we saw Real and Atletico side-by-side, side, fans going to the game together. Mm. Now, something that's maybe on the wane in other parts of the world, but I did see a lot of that, and I know there was a big police escort, there's a police presence, a huge police presence, and a huge police escort for the Atletico fans, but I did see that a lot throughout, and there was, didn't seem to be any hassle with the kids with Atletico shirts and side by side maybe with a parent yeah. and Real Madrid as or we walked versa. out I saw a lot of Atletico fans just one off Atletico fans with the Real fan it's, it's um, a city where I'm sure it's the same in Manchester I'm sure it's the same in Liverpool and places like that where just the way people grew up one of them was a Liverpool fan one was the an Everton fan that's yeah. just the way it is so I'm sure it happens across all cities the only issue would be you'll never have the ultras just mingling and yeah. and walking around with the rest of the supporters but it, the biggest surprise of the night was I, we certainly weren't surprised by the atmosphere we were just surprised by how tame the Atletico performance yeah, I was. I was so disappointed for Atletico. I think we I mean, probably need to give him a quick reference, but it was poor. I, the way that Simeone set his side up over the last few years, the players that they've got, Gabby, you and I talked about him in commentary. He was quite poor, actually, on the night. He did come to it a little bit in the second half, but it was poor. Koke, poor. And these players that they've got, Saul, poor. He they, they were anonymous. poor. Anonymous. Couldn't understand the Carrasco substitution. Yeah, I, I was surprised at that the one, The only actually. player that was taking the game to Real Madrid. Griezmann had certain touches but you could see the quality but he just didn't have an influence on the game but where, where what, what area of the pitch was he when he picked up the ball yeah that was the thing it was around it was in the middle uh, middle third of the pitch yeah, that Real was perfectly where, happy to see him picking the ball up there yeah and that was a disappointing thing Gomero totally outclassed I thought and Hernandez was the one that it, that was the key position I thought throughout he was getting exposed badly by Marcelo and particularly mm. Ronaldo when he was pulling out on that left hand side and he had a dear a bad evening he did but that was the thing. It was uh, I. I fancied I fancied Atletico before the game. I thought they might have done a number on Real, but the the, the pace that Real started with, uh, I think they've put that tie to bed now for the second game. And yeah, it's game over. Tony Cruz just in an armchair oh, for the majority of the game. He did. <laughs> see, he was excellent, and we know he's world class. But he looks particularly good on nights like this, where there's just no pressure being put on him. Yeah, I was surprised at that. Because like, like any centre midfield player, if you've got someone nipping around your ankles within a split second of receiving the ball, you're forced to go backwards an awful lot more often. Mm. You're forced to play the way you're facing a lot more often. Tony Cruz, every time he got the ball on Tuesday, had the time to turn and get facing Atletico's goal. Yeah. And then he's just got the whole game in front of him to do what he wants because he's one of the best passers of the ball in the world. Like Cruz doesn't have a, any ability to beat a guy. Like he's not a centre midfield player that's going to make his own space. Yeah, he needs to be given the space. He's 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 a, a far better version of Michael Carrick, for example. Like I wouldn't put them in the same boat. Yeah, I think Cruz is one of the. I know what you He's more mobile. As Carrick well, can look yeah. great when he's got the game being played in front saying. of him. I know what you're saying. But yeah. you put Carrick under real pressure, then he struggles. And yeah. Cruz would struggle like that as well. But and you think Atletico are the exact team to do that? Now they definitely miss Jimenez, who's their kind of kind of holding, really defensively minded midfielder. I didn't think Gabby showed any ambition to get on the ball at all. No. Even when he did get on the ball, he was just passing it sideways and don't normally associate that with him. They didn't get any width. No. 
particularly once Carrasco went off, there was no width in the Atletico team whatsoever. I think that's why Carrasco actually moved from the left to the right during that first half because they were getting exposed down Atletico's right. I think that was the reason behind that. But I think he was the player that you thought, if they're going to create anything tonight, it would come from Carrasco. They're done now as a team in Europe, aren't they? Like, yeah, I can't see them winning a Champions League. No, <sighs> that that team are. I would have thought that team has passed its peak now. The team that got to mm. two Champions League finals in three seasons it looks and won as a Liga title. It looks as though players will leave. It looks as though Griezmann will leave this summer. It looks as though Oblak will leave this summer. Yeah. You're taking, you're decimating that squad. Like Gabby and well, have, um, <laughs> Godin and Juan Fran, all a couple of years older. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if anyone could do it, it'd be Simeone. But it looks like Simeone would be on the move over the next yes, couple of years. I think himself. he's passed his peak as Atletico manager as well. Possibly. I think 2014 was their, that was their zenith. They won the title and they came within five minutes of winning the Champions League. Yeah, possibly. I, I, I couldn't argue with that. I couldn't. But I, I do feel as though with the spirit that's within that side, they could. If anyone could, it could be Simeone and it could be Atletico. But I do think that, I think mentally now, I think they scarred that team from what's happened mm. in those big game against Real Madrid when they have played well in some of them and they haven't been able to get get over the line. And that's the difficulty when you look at them and you think, yeah, I think that could be the end of it. I do Four think Champions League ties and go out each time. Yeah. That's got to kill you. It is. It is. Well, we'll um, we'll look at that one next week anyway. But I think we, you and I w- w- are going to be in Turin next Tuesday, Dave, uh, for for Juve Monaco. Monaco um, this Tuesday. Monaco, Juve this Tuesday. Or this Wednesday, should I say, just gone. It was, it was a poor display by Monaco, given the fact is that we've seen them play a couple of times ourselves. Really impressed with how... They go on attack sides, how they go and play. And we never saw that at all, did we, really? Particularly during the first 20 minutes of the game when they have been always at the best, flying yeah. forward. And the game was stifled. Did the occasion get to them? A bit of that. I think there could be a bit of that. Yes, I do. But they're uh, a young team. They've carried all before them. They're certainly not used to playing in front of a full stadium for a start. Yeah. That's a... And it's the biggest. last night was the biggest game that a lot of those players will have played. Yeah. There's a lot of talk over the last week or two as well. Which one of those players is is leaving the club? Uh, Bakayoko, supposedly. Mendy, who didn't start. I thought that was a huge uh, loss for them. Um, I thought... Um, I think, I, and, and that is where I think the, there could be problems with that as well. A lot of talk around a lot of the players. Mbappe, he's constantly linked with a, with mm-hmm. a move away with the way of the last couple of weeks. He showed flashes, Mbappe. You did, you did see flashes from him, but Juve were just so good defensively. And I, and I do think the tactics that Allegri... Um, placed on the night or put out on the night, I think the formation just worked a treat. It took away all the threat from Monaco and Monaco were living off scraps throughout, really. And Juve were the be- much the better side throughout, I thought. It was a great away performance from them. And because they sat back, as you would expect Juventus to do, it just meant Monaco didn't really have anywhere to go. Yeah. And, but, but they still felt they had to bring the impetus and the initiative to the game because they were the home team. So it just mm. played into Juventus's hands. Monaco bring the ball in and try and make something happen in the Juventus half of the field, Juventus will really only engage with them in their own half. Yeah. And that's where the first goal comes from. Yeah, that was it. And, and that spoke, goal was just a thing of absolute magic. Well, yeah, we might as well stick on that. I'll come back to something else in a sec with the game, but that goal, how quickly you can counter-attack and how, you know, was it four passes and it's in the back of the net? It was just absolutely breathtaking. They, they pick the ball up in their own third of the pitch, the final third of the pitch, or Monaco's final third. The way that they break from it, the flick inside by Dybala, oh, the ball gorgeous. forward played through to, to Danny Alves, the, the back heel by Danny Alves, and the finish from Higuain. It was just superb, wasn't it? Yeah, it's one of the best goals I've seen this season. Like, if you're looking at a team goal, if you had a separate yeah. competition for team goal of the season, that has to be a contender for it. The back heel from Danny Alves... 
looks amazing and everything. He, I don't think he's trying to pick out Higuain. No, no. But he's clever enough to know that that's probably the only option available to him. And if you buy a ticket, there yeah. just might be somebody the on the end. The thing about it is he's actually going away from goal at pace. So he had to, you know, get that perfect. He had yeah. to actually time that perfectly, the little back heel. And he does put it back into play. He's not... He hasn't seen. Higuain. I don't think he's seen. Higuain, no, he yeah. hasn't. He is literally just. But, but it's, it's a still sen- very clever. It's a though. sensible option, exactly. Yeah. V- clever play from him, knowing full well that there is bodies arriving forward uh, with Juve, and it was it was a as you said, a breathtaking goal. And he makes the second goal as well, and it just makes you look again at that move from Barcelona to Turin. Like, what were they doing? Well, Nathan says he's the best right back in Europe, so Nathan will be smiling every time. <laughs> every time Danny Alves has another assist, Nathan's got a big smile on his face. I personally don't think he's the best right back in Europe, but. Uh, I think, I mean, I just one thing I would look at him this year, particularly after breaking his leg. He broke his leg in was it September October time this year to come back and play at that level again again at his age. That's brilliant from him originally, um, but yes, as a right back, that has been a problem area for Barcelona all season. Yeah. Surely they could have kept him for one more year and then said, I tell you what, we've got a real good replacement lined up. They haven't had a replacement no. lined up. They've got no one who's going to come in, who has come in and filled filled those shoes and. That has been a big disappointment from Barcelona's point of view. Yeah, but Alves, again, as you said, two assists for Higuain. The second one in particular was a really good ball yeah. to pick him out. Great movement from Higuain, don't get me wrong, but excellent from, from Dani Alves, yeah. Is it a coincidence that Alves has left Barcelona and played as well as he ever did for Barca in a Juventus shirt? Patrice Evra was written off as he was leaving Manchester United. Everyone thought he's in his 30s now. He's never going to be able to be that really effective fullback at this level again. Mm. He, he's capable, but he won't be the player that won the Champions League in 08. And then he shows that he's capable of doing for another two or three seasons. Automatic start for the French at Euro 2016. They are doing something similar to what AC Milan did back in the noughties where they got the, the last drop out of Maldini, yeah. Beckham, Pirlo, um, Costa Corta, Nesta, all these boys that were playing to their mid to late 30s and everyone was talking about how incredible the conditioning and the medical facilities and everything that goes on in Milan is. Yeah. I wonder if there's something very similar like Bonucci, Barzali, uh, Chiellini, Buffon. None of these guys are spring chickens. No, it's true. Very true. And uh, it's, a, it's a great point. That's a great point on it that you say, particularly with Evra, because Evra was certainly on the way in at United Um I don't think there was too much heartache when he left United. I think he went away. I think there was heartache from the fact is of the career that he had at United. But I don't think many had had thought, yeah, he is that uh, real good top defender that's yeah. going to stay beyond it. Because they were quite happy to see him go, let's be honest about that. Um, but to get to get what they got out of Ever for the last couple of years, yeah, that was, that was great of him. But Danny Alves, yeah, another one. Maybe as you say there, they, they recognise his quality at Juve. I doubt that the... They run the legs off him every day. I think they used him. It's basically game-related training. Get yourself right for, for, the, for the games at the weekend and maybe stagger the training towards those games at the weekend. I think that's what they, that, that they have that luxury to do. I mean, I know that at, certainly Danny Alves, he's got a direct rival for the right-back spot in, Lick, in Licksteiner. So they can actually play the two of them as well. So mm. he's not going to get as much game time. But I've, and, and he has been injured. So again, I go back to that point. It's great he's come back from that. But it's it has been... It's, it is great when you see those older players when they do or when they are able to go on somewhere else, not necessarily be with the club that you would associate them with and then go and have that, that baby kick on in the career. So it's great to see that, yeah. So United on tonight? 
Yeah, United. Yeah, I, I, yeah. We've got to t- touch on United. Uh, p- probably people's going to download this tape. People download this maybe after the game. So we're recording this Thursday afternoon. Well, they've uh, got a few hours. You know, they kick off in a few hours yeah, time they, to, to get this in. We'll pop may, it out there and this. see what they think of it. I mean, it. It's more of a European roundup. This yeah. this week's podcast. I, I don't think we get away from the fact, Dave, that we've we've got this moaning again from Mourinho talking about the injuries, talking all these sort of things. But let's be honest. You can't get away from the fact is United, with the money that they spent, the calibre of players that they've got, United should be winning this game. But this season suggests anything. Yeah. It's going to suggest you something. Although away from home, they've been brilliant. Yeah, and they should have put the last game to bed. The yeah. Anderlecht game, they should have put it to bed after the first leg. They didn't get that second goal. It came back to bite them and it almost cost them in the end. Um It could be the same again, but you do, you've got to fancy them. You've got to fancy them to beat Celta Vigo, haven't you? That's the thing. Yeah, they've been so solid in this tournament on the road in uh, Ukraine when they played Zori Luhansk Feyenoord Fenerbahce they never looked in trouble in any of those games Santa Tien they were really solid we saw how well they played at times should have won the game when they were in uh, in Brussels playing against Anderlecht I think they're just going to go out and do whatever it takes tonight to come back with a 0-0 or a 1-1 and they'll finish the job next week yeah, I do. I, I, I fancy them. I, I'd love them to get to a Europa League final, I think. Uh, and the injuries are, they're easing. They, they've Smalling, Jones and Bailey all back in the squad for this yeah, game tonight. So that's that, yeah, exactly. That's a huge plus for them. And I feel that the things, you know, for all that Mourinho said that he's concentrating the Europa League, which he's probably right to, I would say. I, I think United fans would want to win a trophy and qualify for the Champions League. I think that's the it's romantic It's a better way route. of qualifying it is. for the Champions League. It's the romantic League. route and I think that's right, but... United still have that, have that great chance to put City out of it in the uh, and Liverpool, of course, uh, in the Premier League. But can they sustain that that push on t- on two fronts? I think they can. I do think they can. I don't take this argument that you can't necessarily do that in this Sunday games and all these sort of things that that, that, that Mourinho has uh, said are an issue. But well, back to back games in North London coming up. Yeah, both of which are on off the ball. We've got. Arsenal United live at four o'clock on Sunday. I'll be there with Kenny. And then we've got Tottenham United live next weekend. So they're not going to win both those games. And they've no wriggle no. room with Liverpool or City. No, maybe not. But there's a chance. You can't say they can't. They're not going to win both games because there is a chance that they can that can happen. But it looks as though the best route. If you say, if you maybe give them Mourinho the choice at the start of the season, said, look, you've got Celta Vigo for two games. You, you are fifth in the Premier League and you've got two North London sides away from home, what what are you going to take? And I'm sure, I'm convinced what he would say in his head is, look, I will beat Celta Vigo for two games, qualify for the Champions League that way. I think he would take that. I think most United fans would take that as well. If I was a United fan, I'd certainly yeah. take that. That's on the assumption, of course, they can get past an Ajax team that just seems to be blowing everyone out of the <sighs> water. See them last night watching Hammer that, that game against Leon. Bloody hell. 4-1, if in case any of our podcasters didn't um, see that game, but they were slick, full of pace, full of running, imagination, youth. Leon, who I've commentated on several times in this year's Europa League, they just couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle it at all. And there's no way they're beating that Ajax team. You said three, pace three there as well, Dave. Every one of the players in the in the attacking positions, they've all got a trick. They all run up, run up the opposition and they have a little trick on them. Every one of them, it's great to see. Really, really good to see. And like, Would you back United to beat them in a one-off game? Uh, well, you, yeah. They have to get there first, obviously. But Again, youngsters freezing. We spoke about Monaco early on. Did they freeze a little bit? Perhaps they did. Or it might have been Juve. United, with the experience that they've got in that side, you, you, they should have enough. They should yeah. have enough. So to they're go. still favourites to you to win the competition? Definitely. Oh, 100% are, oh, yeah. If, if I was a betting man, 
which, which of course are not. Which of course I'm not, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd put money on United now to win it. Yeah, I would. I certainly would do that as well. Um, yeah, but so we'll move on. We'll, we'll have a look at the Premier League. The Premier League games this week as well. Tottenham in great form this week, and they play Friday night against West Ham. We'll, we'll touch on that briefly, just just due to the factors after that North London derby last weekend, Dave. Another good performance could have been more convincing mm. than the two nil scoreline. Um, uh, actually finished up in that game. Is it 13 consecutive home wins and is it nine consecutive wins in all competitions? Yeah, I think it's nine. I think that's right. This is a tricky one though because this this is the ah, one that yeah. West Ham want. You know, West Ham. This is this is this is their big game in the Premier League to West Ham. They want to beat Tottenham over every team in the Premier League. This is the one that they want. They want to do Tottenham and and, and put and put puts one over on them. So it's hard to see them not winning the game. No, though, I can't see it? them not winning it. If they were to win the remaining games. So I think would that be 13 consecutive wins then by the time the season was over and not win the league? Could you make the argument that they're the best team not to win a Premier League in, in a, any given season? Yeah, he probably like could. Who's been better than them? You probably could. But Chelsea, of course, have had that. Did Chelsea get 13 this year as well? Chelsea had 13 on they the did, yeah. this year. They did, yeah. So it's, imagine that. Two sides finished with 13, 13 straight wins. Yeah, and That's obviously incredible. only one of them can win it. Yeah, it But is. look, if they win tomorrow night, the gap's down to one. Chelsea have three days to stew on it. Yeah, they got Borough on Monday night. It's a Borough at home. I think I mean, you're looking at the top of the table as well. and That's all they can do, Tottenham, can't they? Put pressure on and... Chelsea slipped up against Palace. Does that have any significance? No, I don't think that has any significance. The other week, where they slipped up at home against yeah. Crystal Palace, Borough beating Sunderland doesn't change anything. I think Chelsea will have too much, particularly the way that Chelsea played this week. Um, yeah, we were there Diego, on Sunday, and it was just professional. Diego Costa was great again, though, Dave. You know, and that's the that is the difference, isn't he? He's the difference so often now. So Sunday will. Finish well, up I'm with, with the I'm, Sunday I'm, games. You're uh, with yeah. Nathan at Anfield. I'm with Nathan for the one uh, thirty kickoff uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, still in Liverpool's hands now. Liverpool have put themselves in a great position with the the results that United. It was a massive City win against week. Watford. Wasn't massive a win. Huge wasn't win. a great performance, but what a goal by yeah. Emre Can, wasn't it? Um, I'd love to see something like that again this weekend at Anfield. I can't see Southampton the way that Southampton played. Um, what was it last week, uh, midweek when they played against Chelsea? They had good spells in the game, but. I would expect Liverpool to win, but this predominantly this season has been the result of the sort of game that Liverpool have slipped up in. It was at Palace a couple of weeks ago. Liverpool were poor on the day, but they've generally slipped up against sides that are, are motivated to play them, sides that have something to play for. Yeah, you thinking with Southampton, not necessarily anything to play yeah, for. We saw Everton on Sunday; like they just were not interested. They were awful, Dave. Absolutely, they were awful. pathetically bad for a lot, an awful lot of that game. And the teams that have nothing to play for are there for the taking at the moment. And Southampton are one of those. They're not in a good run. Yeah. West Brom are in a stinking run at the moment. Watford put it up to Liverpool, to be fair. They've got nothing to play for. Yeah. But really, every team outside the top six, bar Hull and Swansea, there's nothing to play for. Yeah, I'm with you. I am with you. I think Liverpool will win it. Liverpool should win it. Uh, and it's in their hands now, as I said. So Liverpool have got a great chance now. Just go and cement it. Put Put everything to bed now and get those results as well. So you're at uh, you're at the Emirates uh, for the City game. This is another one for City as well. Arsenal need to win game it. Win. Yeah, yeah. Arsenal, Arsenal, City. No, Arsenal United. Oh, sorry, Arsenal yeah. United. Sorry, sorry. It's, it's United. It's City, Crystal Palace. Sorry, yeah. that's the twelve thirty kickoff. Um, Arsenal Man United. But this is a biggie for Arsenal. Huge game for Arsenal. This one because. Arsenal, with the results they've been getting, of course that three at the back, it's worked quite well for them since they've gone to three at the back. But last week it fell down badly, and I think United going there, they've got they've they've got to use this European uh, game that United have got tonight um, in the favour, and they've got to go right at United from the start of the game, go and beat them, and get yourself back in contention because that's the only way that they can do it now. If they don't win it Sunday, are they out? Yeah, definitely.
Definitely. City and Liverpool are just too I, far away. I think it's a task for him anyway to do it, Dave. And, and I do yeah. think, as I said before, City in the 12 30 kickoff on Saturday against Palace, I think they win that. So um, I, think, uh, I think Arsenal have got it all on. They have to beat United Sunday, yeah. Yeah, it's a huge game for them. Well, that's it. That's the four o'clock and half one games on, uh, on Sunday. We'll see how United are feeling after their trip to Vigo tonight. Yeah, all the best. So we'll, I think we'll wrap it up there, Dave. I think yeah, uh, a little tidy, constrained mini pod today. Yeah, mini pod. We so we haven't got much time. Keeping it, say, me and you in the same countries. That's 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 a great greatest yeah. thing actually alone at the moment. So we'll put this one to bed. Um, good luck. All the best. Take care. Thanks for downloading, and I hope you enjoy. Take it easy.